Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 133 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott's in the hot seat and for Bob Stoffer today. Bob will be back tomorrow. Right now, pleased to be joined in studio by. Producer Brad Whisker. Brad, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm uh, fully invested in the Kawhi update and the Kawhi watch right now. It's turning into the O.J. Simpson Bronco chase from 1994. That's exactly how I've been describing it, too. This is ridiculous media coverage. It's worrisome to me. Yeah, me too. This is a guy that, you know, if he wasn't a professional athlete, I feel like he would be living in a cabin in the woods in Montana, (laughs) rarely appearing in public. He has no desire for this type of press coverage. He wanted to get off that plane, get in an SUV, get to the hotel with Masai and Bobby Webster, do his thing, and likely either get back on the plane or Mm -hmm. hang out for the night and, and take it easy with basically nobody knowing that he ever touched down in Toronto. It's amazing that one tweet, one person tweeting out that here's this plane coming in from LAX, MLSE's private jet coming in from LAX, and it's just blown the the roof off of this story. So uh, you got to figure we're going to have an answer sometime in the next 24 hours. You have to think. I mean, if from what we've heard about Kawhi, he will want to, in my opinion, enjoy July 4th with his family. Uncle Dennis, his girlfriend, and and his child alone without having to make that decision. I think it happens in the next six to eight hours before the end of the day. Yeah, I, I would uh, I would think that as well, but uh, who knows whether this changed anything, and, and I don't imagine it would have changed his mind, the fact that there was a news helicopter following him a la O.J. Simpson, but... Nevertheless, uh, we did bring you here to, to talk hockey, though. I know you're a Leafs fan, so I'm very interested to get your take on how their offseason has gone. We are going to bring aboard Reed Wilkins here in a minute when we can connect with him. Reed uh, checking in, I believe, from the golf course this afternoon. So a lucky guy getting the morning off. But Brad, we'll start it without Reed. I just want to know from the perspective of a Leafs fan, you've got to be pretty satisfied with how Kyle Dubas has done things the past couple of days. Yeah, and you know, the last uh, domino to fall will be the signing of, of Mitch Marner. Clearly, it looks like an offer sheet is not coming his way. You have to feel like that would have been done on July 1 or mm-hmm. July 2nd. But uh yeah, I mean, the way he's conducted his business so far, getting uh, letting you know Ron Hainsey walk away, uh, he was an, an elder statesman of the game. He goes to Ottawa, uh, getting rid of, of Connor Brown. He goes to Ottawa. Mm-hmm. DJ Smith, former assistant coach yeah. of the Leafs, clearly bringing in some guys. He that wanted his he, guys. Yeah, exactly. But the big one obviously came uh, later afternoon on July 1st with the uh, the Cadre deal. Um I don't think you can ask for much more of a return. You bring in Tyson Berry, who had a career offensive season last year, 59 points, and you bring in Alex Kerfoot, who to me, that was the piece that I would have never expected. Nobody's talking about it, but I think it's a huge addition too. I I agree. So uh, 
I'm quite happy. And, you know, they had to to give up the, the first round pick to get rid of that Marlowe contract. But Toronto's in a position that not a lot of NHL franchises are in. And that's the ability to get rid of a first round pick and not have it affect your franchise mm-hmm. immediately. They're in a space where they can not draft in the first round for a year or two and still be okay. We are joined now on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline by Reed Wilkins. Reed, we're talking about what Toronto has done uh, with the moves that they've made, the trades that they've they've pulled off to shore up their back end. you got to figure they're a better team now than they were a couple days ago. Is that your opinion as well? Uh, no, uh, it isn't. I, I think that they're probably about the same in my mind. Uh, certainly they're going to have a defense that will be able to transition the puck, get it up ice, and contribute points. I, I think uh, goal prevention, especially when you get into a playoff series, a grinded-out type playoff series, would uh, would still be a concern. Uh, I, I mean, that, you know, that was the knock on Morgan Riley, and that's the knock on Tyson Bear. I think when those guys get the puck uh, on their sticks, they'll be as good a crew as probably almost anybody in the league but uh you know getting the puck and stopping the cycle and doing all those types of things i think will will still be a challenge for that group i I wouldn't say they're i wouldn't say they're overall improved uh i would say they're probably both the same i do look like the kerfoot edition i mean he was pretty good last year for the avalanche kind of an under the radar type guy but uh, i don't think that they hugely elevate in my mind um Let's let's just open this up in general to who improved the most so far in the offseason. I think it's quite uh, quite easy to look at the two teams that drafted first and second, but they also made additions. Of course, the Rangers picking up Panarin, the big fish on the free agent, and the Devils acquiring uh, P.K. Subban. Are those teams the true winners right now of the offseason so far? I like, what, I like some of the things that Dallas did as well, and, and I think coming off a... Uh, uh, pretty you know solid regular season and and you know speaking of goal prevention i think they wound up uh i think weren't they second in goals against to the islanders they were way up there and it, you know they, i think getting pavelski is a pretty big addition and uh, even rounding out the roster with some veterans and like uh Secker and perry on good contracts i i you know i i like what what dallas did i think maybe they're poised and certainly you gotta look at new jersey i mean the, getting the draft pick and uh, getting Subban and even bringing Simmons on kind of a, a one-year show-me type deal that could be pretty good. So, yeah, I would I, I would put uh, Devils and Dallas near the top of the list. Uh, Brad, I'll direct this towards you, so we know who the, the real winners are. Who who is uh, a lot worse off so far this off season? To me, I think it's the Islanders. I think letting go of Robin Leonard and letting him walk. I mean, he got a one-year, five million dollar deal from Chicago. I don't understand how as a franchise who needs a good goaltending situation. Yeah, they brought in Semyon Varlamov. But, I mean, Robin Leonard had a career year, seemed poised to do it again, was invested in the franchise, and they let him walk. I I don't see... I don't know what happened there, but it's confusing to me that after the type of season he had, they would let him go for $5 So 
So what's next here, guys? The the off season is kind of ground to a halt. And Reed, I'll get your thoughts first. Uh, I I don't excuse me, I don't particularly forecast another offer sheet here, although Pete Labardi has sort of uh, Sportsnet 960 saying earlier on the show that with the cap room that Colorado has, they might actually put in an offer on Mitch Marner. Now, I don't know how realistic that is, but Reed, uh, what do you think is the next shoe to drop here in, in, in the NHL offseason? Do we see another trade? Is it another signing? What's going on? Yeah, the offer sheet, uh, I mean, I think most teams are going to match, right? Unless you can really box a team in, they'll probably find a way to match. I mean, the the Marner situation with a, a team with cap room and, you know, trying to, to put some heat on the Leafs, that, that's certainly an interesting one. I just think from an Oilers perspective, we, we wait for a trade at this point. Um, you know, I know, I, I know somebody uh, texted during my show last night, could they... Could they try to bring in Brian Boyle as a as a depth center uh, or somebody like that? Uh, but I, I think for the Oilers, we kind of await a trade. I don't know how that's going to shake down. I mean, you know, Holland's been very interesting in how he has talked about Pugliarvi. He does not seem bothered or intimidated or threatened by the situation. Not that I would expect him to be, but he's just been very simple about it. We're, we're not going to make a trade that doesn't work for us and if he wants to go play in Europe that's up up to him I mean he's been pretty straightforward about it but he did say that he's he's talked to other teams and then and his wording was something like for for something that could work right like is there some sort of a creative type deal where uh you know the Oilers take some other sort of disgruntled type player back or or get the rights to a prospect or two that you know, maybe it isn't working out with another team, or 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 something like that. So I, I think from from an Oilers standpoint, I I kind of wait for there to be some sort of a deal to to round out the forward core. Um, I, and I still think it's going to be very tough to trade Puliyarvi. I don't know if I would put it. I certainly wouldn't put it in the category of being likely. But I, I wonder if the, if if there is something. If it's going to be a move where Holland really proves his metal as a GM. I mean, he obviously has tons of experience. He has contacts around, you know, around the league, all that kind of stuff. He's well-respected by the other GMs. Is this, is he going to be able to pull something off where we really say, okay, wow, that's something a GM who's been at it 20 years can, can pull off, you know, that is some angle that, you know, you need all that experience and all those contacts and know how to pull off. That's kind of what, uh, I, I would look for if he can if he can wheel and deal there, get Puliyarvi out of the Oilers system where he doesn't want to be, and get some sort of a useful player back. We're joined on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline by 6:30. Cheds, uh, the host of Inside Sports, Reed Wilkins, uh, in studio with me is producer Brad Whisker. And Brad, just as somebody who doesn't really identify as an Oilers fan, but you're still a very knowledgeable sports guy, what is your take on the Puliyarvi situation? It's. It, I, I can't add much more than what what Reed said. Reed obviously has a little more insight into the the goings on of, of that team, but the only thing I can do is is echo his comments in the sense that Ken Holland is not intimidated by by Puliyarvi or or his agent. He will do what he wants when he wants if it works out for the team, and I, I think that's that's an approach that Edmonton Oilers fans should appreciate that he's not just going to bow down 
to pull Yarvi and deal him for the sake of dealing him, and the return ends up being nothing of use to the franchise. Reed, I want to get your thoughts on, on, you know, we've talked about some of the names like Corey Perry, but I've been asking the listeners on it. There was some frustration expressed on Twitter after July 1st that they didn't really land some of the big names that were out there per se. But I don't look at this team and worry that they really missed on anybody that that signed elsewhere. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, in general, I mean, they, they, look, they, they didn't they don't have the cap room to get anybody big. I mean, they couldn't be in on anybody who wants six, seven, eight million dollars a year. So, you know, I I understand the the disappointment, and and I know that if you look on paper, the Oilers at best are slightly better than last season. Like sitting here on July third and saying, okay, how, how are they compared to last year? I mean, maybe they're slightly better because they should probably have a little bit more speed up front and you know maybe Granlin's more of a serviceable depth guy than 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 they had last season uh, but you're we're still sitting here asking who's going to play with Ryan Nugent Hopkins who's going to really move the puck effectively on defense and what's the team save percentage going to be i mean is it i mean neither uh Koskinen was 38th out of 54 guys and Mike Smith was in the 40s so I, I get the I get the frustration. At best, the Oilers are slightly better than last season, but there was just no room for Holland to pursue, you know, whatever Pavelski, Panarin, Bobrovsky. I mean, you can you simply could not fit those guys in in under the cap. So he's trying to find value guys, and I, I think the hope is maybe you know the best case scenario is you get a team that's better than the sum of its parts where you say oh individually these guys maybe were underwhelming signings but suddenly all together they all fit in the bright spot in the lineup and know their roles and and do a job but yeah i mean i know but that's free agency right i mean here's the thing it's it's you can't win unless you win and the oilers have not won the last two years and for over a decade in general so you you land some big free agents in the past, and now you know those contracts don't look very good. And so then the flip side is Holland takes a more measured approach, and, and now he didn't go out there and throw money to anybody. So, you know, we're not going to really know how to evaluate what he did till till we get into the into the season. But I, I wasn't expecting the Oilers to get a marquee name on Monday. No. So uh, we'll end with this, gentlemen, and I'll start with your answer, Brad. Uh, we, we've got an offer sheet for the first time in six years. And just based on the reaction of the Hurricanes, I think they were almost glad that somebody else did the negotiating for them. John Shannon was on our show not too long ago talking about how Ajo might only warrant a $6 million contract. And with all due respect to John, I look at the money being thrown around and I say, how is that possible? So to get this guy at less than $8.5 million now for the Hurricanes... Um, you know, that wasn't as, as much of a wave maker as it could have been. Is that okay, Brad? Yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, I would have put Aho between 9 and 10. That's, you know, he just had a career year. You have the opportunity to sign a guy to an offer sheet and make the other team and challenge the other team. But Carolina seemingly laughed in the face of Mark Bergevin and the Canadians' management team 
they even send out a, a Twitter poll saying, are we going to match? It seemed like it didn't matter. Of course they're going to match. Tom Dundon comes out and, again, basically laughs in the face of Mark Bergevin and said, really? Like, of course we're going to do this. I just felt like... 8.425 or whatever that number worked out to, it just wasn't a challenge for the Hurricanes to match that. If you throw 9.5 or 10 at them, then maybe a team that doesn't want to spend to the cap, like Carolina, goes, oh man, maybe we'll, maybe we'll consider not matching, but at 8.425 for a player of, of Ajo's quality, I think it's a no-brainer. Reed, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I... I I think that there wasn't much chance of Carolina not matching. I mean, Montreal tried to front load it a little bit with the with the signing bonuses, but I, I think with the Hurricanes, so you got a team in a non traditional hockey market where you know when you see the games on TV, it's probably down there with Florida and Arizona in terms of how many empty seats there are. Usually, they actually got some traction this year. They they had an exciting team. They they got things going with the with the storm surge, which I know a lot of his, the hockey traditionalists don't like, but it was working in that market. And then Don Cherry actually helped them by calling them a bunch of jerks. I mean, it went against. He did kind of did the opposite of what what he was trying to do. So, how do you come off that season? And then say, well, that was fun. Goodbye, best player. I mean, they 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 had to match. I I even think if the Canadians would have pushed it higher, uh, you know, they would have found a way to match. They 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 have the cap room, and I, I mean, that's a that's a that's an NFL, NCAA, uh, high school sports, NASCAR, like you know, hockey's hockey doesn't get a lot of publicity for so for them to do their their ritual after the game and even get people talking about it in, in a negative way they they got attention so they were loving it so they they then they couldn't turn it around and say then the attention was they let Aho walk they they were going to match what's coming up in your show tonight Reed? uh it's going to be tremendous i'm uh, working on it i was golfing all morning <laughs> So, so I will I will now I will now start planning it, Brendan. I have my priorities straight. Golf in the morning, work in the afternoon. Excellent, Reed. I think we all wish we had a schedule that accommodated it. Appreciate it, buddy, and uh, we'll see you when you get to the station. Thanks, Reed. Yep. And uh, Brad, you're you're actually co-hosting the afternoon news alongside Morning Black. What do you have, Morgan Black? What do you have coming up? Yeah, we're going to get some insight on uh, the Joshua Boyle trial happening out of Ottawa. There's been some interesting developments on the type of evidence that can be presented there. So we're going to touch on that with a, a legal commentator and defense lawyer. We're also uh, for all those folks out there that missed out on the hundred k gold hunt earlier this year. Happy to tell you that they're having another one here in Edmonton and I think they're going to make things a little bit more difficult considering the last one was found in less than 24 hours and of course we're going to touch base with a reporter out of our sister station Global News Radio 640 Toronto get the lowdown on all the hoopla and all the craziness that is happening around Kawhi Leonard in Toronto. Appreciate it, Brad. Uh, that's coming up from 2 to 6 on the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News. Uh, we'll press pause back to wrap up the show after this. This is Milan Lucic from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. Royal Pizza is pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for 50 years now. For menu and locations, visit royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. 
We continue to monitor Kawhi's storylines as the rest of the afternoon carries on. Uh, interesting text here from Peter and Wainwright. He says he's a huge Avs fan and he listens to Altitude Sports Radio out of Denver. They had Joe Sackick on and he was asked about a Mitch Marner offer sheet. He said, anything can happen in today's NHL. To me, that means he's at least, but keeping it, uh, keeping it open. They cleared out an astronomical amount of cap space. And I don't know if... Listen, I think the Oilers' problem right now, obviously, with the contracts, is that they're very top-heavy. They've got a lot of money tied up and very few players. When the Avalanche signed Miko Rantanen, they do have McKinnon at a, just a ridiculous price right now. I think 6.4 is what uh, Peter Labardi has said, 6.3, somewhere in there. But all of a sudden, you start talking about Rantanen at 10. You start talking about Marner somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, where is your depth coming from? You'd better have young players that can play real well for not very much money if that's going to be the case. So uh, interesting. I don't expect to see that. I don't think the Leafs can afford to lose Mitch Marner. So I would expect them to match. But anything's possible in today's NHL. I didn't think Montreal would be the team to offer Sheet Aho at all. That was a complete blindside. Um, but as the guys talked about it, they could have offer sheeted him for more money, I think, and, and been a lot more likely to land him if that was their intention. And it wasn't just, uh, you know, something for Bergevin to generate conversation with. Uh, out of Red Deer, they've asked, as far as the remaining available players that I would target... Uh, we've talked about it. I, I do think that Broussard has something left in the tank at the right price point. If you can get him done for under $2 million, I think you look at that. But uh, to me, I don't see we, us with a move that isn't a trade. We're not going to sign somebody as, as, as the Oilers organization. I don't think they're going to sign somebody who isn't uh, via a trade. They're going to keep that cap space open to allow that wiggle room. That's my opinion. And we're left to wait. Bob is back tomorrow. Uh, in the meantime, though, we're going to check in on this day in Oilers history. Big one. Back in 2006, the Oilers trading Chris Pronger to the Anaheim Ducks for Ladislav Smead, Joffrey Lupel, and three draft picks. Now, one of those picks was used to take Jordan Eberle in 2008. The other two were traded away. That was a first rounder and a second rounder. Out the door. In Pronger's only year in Edmonton, he registered 52 points in 80 games, and I don't need to tell you how big of a part he was in the team making the Cup Final that year, back in 2006. So, uh, yeah, and then Pronger's career, uh, he had a couple more solid seasons. He won a Cup uh, with Anaheim the next year, I guess it would have been. It was 07, was it not, when the Ducks won it? So, there you go. Pronger, uh, success followed that guy, and it was a shame that concussions sort of curbed the end of his career around. Tonight, uh, Reed Wilkins does have inside sports from 6 to 8 p.m. as he transitions from the golf course back to the 6.30 Ched Studios. Tomorrow, Bob is back. Up next, we've got a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 Ched afternoon news with guest hosts Brad Whisker, Morgan Black. We stay patient, waiting to find out if Kawhi is going to be laughing all the way to the bank. I don't even know where you're sitting at. But. <laughs> <laughs> it is Brennan Escott saying, appreciate your contributions. Thank you for listening. We'll rejoin you tomorrow. So long from the 630 Chat Studios. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.